Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Military Matters. In this six-part series, we will discuss the importance of accessible education on active duty and military veteran affairs. Each episode will cover relevant topics on today's military society, as well as discuss how community members such as yourselves can better support military personnel. Our topic today will be an overview of the United States Navy and a short interview with the retired Navy commander. To begin, we will first summarize the purpose of the branch according to military.com. The U.S. Navy maintains, trains, and equips combat-ready naval forces capable of winning wars, deterring aggression, and maintaining the freedom of the seas. They operate on almost every type of military equipment, as well as work along with aircraft carriers. The Navy was first founded on October 13, 1775, and the Department of the Navy was established on April 30, 1798. There are more than 332,000 active duty service members in the branch and nearly 104,000 members of the Navy Reserve. They have vessels of all sizes used for special operations on inland waters, fighting modern-day sea pirates. They have ships ready for any waterborne military mission. Silent service is a term often used to describe submarines. For hundreds of years, submarines have been used in war and in peace, often for attacking, surveilling, commando insertion, and researching nuclear, um, research and nuclear deterrence. The vessels help the Navy arrive to the scene before the enemy is even aware that they're on the way. The Navy also has firepower and air support as well. The aviation contingent for the Navy consists of helicopters, fighter and attack jets, surveillance, transport and cargo aircraft, and UAVs, or unmanned aerial vehicles. The fleet is established on the shore that supports operating forces, facilitates repair of machinery, electronics, communication centers, as well as hold training areas, construction, meteorological support, fuel and munitions, medical and dental facilities, air bases, and much more. The Navy is more than a ship on water. They are a branch that is involved in taking care of aircraft, ships, equipment, and high technological demanding jobs. Sailors can have a career path in medical, nuclear, mechanical, administrative, and much more in this branch. If you want to hear more about the branch, stay tuned for a short interview with retired Navy Commander Joe Valacruz. Hello and welcome back. Today we're talking with retired Navy Commander Joe Valacruz about his experiences in the Navy and with transition back to civilian life. If you don't mind, can you please introduce yourself to the audience, have a brief explanation of who you are, what your job position is in the military and how long you served. Hi, I'm uh, Joe Valacruz. Um, I was in the Navy for 27 years. I, was, uh, uh, I retired as a Navy commander uh, back in 2015. Um, had uh, multiple jobs. I was a uh, first started out as a Navy helicopter pilot. Um, <clears throat> had uh, in the Navy you do a variety of things besides your primary job, and uh, had uh, um, different jobs all over uh, the United States and all over the world. Um, my last uh, two uh, jobs were as uh, the Naval Attaché in Cairo, Egypt, and then the Assistant Naval Attaché in Bangkok, Thailand, and I retired from there. And nowadays, I'm a uh, airline pilot for uh, Delta Airlines. Thank you for the brief introduction. That was really interesting. <laughs> um, 
I was now wondering what was your reason for joining? Like what made you decide the branch that you chose to go into when you're young? Um, uh, I'm Filipino descent and um, there's uh, quite a number of uh, older Filipinos here in the United States um, that uh, joined the Navy um, back when uh, the U.S. Navy had um, uh, agreements uh, with the Philippines to allow Filipino nationals uh, to join the U.S. Navy. That was a huge opportunity for them. That was back in uh, post-World War II, and then I believe it lasted until um, uh, in the late 90s or early 2000s. Um, anyways, uh, my father was one of them, and um, he, he was able to bring his entire family um, to the U.S. and uh, that opportunity, although uh, as a foreign national, you would, you, 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 these Filipinos weren't given the opportunity to to um, do certain roles in the Navy. They were still given an opportunity to serve and um, and move up. Um, so um, I saw and I was grateful for what the Navy and what uh, the United States had given my father and my family, and I wanted to. Uh, um, uh, return that um, and uh, serve um, not only as a, uh, as an enlisted person, but as an officer in the Navy. And um, I, I, growing up in San Diego, um, the Navy has always been a big influence to me. Growing up just outside the gate, gates of Miramar has always motivated me to want to become um, a Navy pilot. That was really um, insightful. And I know a lot of um, Asian Americans also have similar experiences with their family members being in the Navy. A lot of my Filipino friends as well. Um, now I have a question. Do you think it's better to join the military with a college degree or do you think it's fine going into it straight out of high school? I think it kind of depends on your situation. Um, what you want to do in life. Uh, if you generally, if you, uh, if you're motivated to become an officer and um, take like a higher leadership role, um, you've already had that set in your mind on what you want to do. Um, certain jobs like being a pilot um, requires you to be an officer and go to college. Um, and uh, uh, whereas uh, uh, if say you're undecided on what you want to do, maybe you want to um, learn a skill, you um, just want to do some time, get some experience under your belt and uh, something, um, do something very different. Uh, then just joining straight into the military um, uh, is a good thing. Um, even if it's just for a few years, you, uh, you gain lots of experience right out of high school. And you're, you're no longer, you're, you're out of the house. Uh, you, uh, you're independent and um, you're, you're working and um, under a new set of rules, but, um, but you're learning skills and, uh, um, and uh, gaining experience or, whereas, um, some other jobs, they'll ask you, hey, well, what experience you have? And if you don't have any, they, you know, they won't hire you. Whereas in the Navy, you don't have any experience, the Navy or uh, any other service, you don't have the experience, they're going to teach you and get you that experience and give you the opportunity to grow. So, um, yeah, I, I would say to answer your question again, it's just, um, it depends if you are, if you just, if you want, if you're undecided, or, um, or you have a particular goal, like uh, just to get experience, yeah, you can just join straight in. If you want to become an officer and you have plans, then uh, you know, go to college and then uh, um, and go through an officer program and then get commissioned as an officer.
So most people who go straight from high school, everyone starts at the same spot. So there's no really like great benefit or loss when you do that, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, if you, yeah, once you enlist, um, yeah, everybody starts equally. It doesn't matter what your age is or whatever. Everybody is an equal. And then um, if you go in as an officer, then yeah, you start out at the lowest grade of officer and then you're equal there too. Got him. Um, are there any memorable experiences you had while serving? Anything in particular that you just remember overseas, some really nice place or some fun memories? I don't think we have enough time for all that. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of unique experiences. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been all, all over the world. I've been to like some strange, strange places that uh, you know, it's hard to describe uh, the, the feeling of being in a, in a, in a strange remote place. Um, I mean, I've been to uh, um, Seychelles Island islands. I've been all over the Middle East. It's some of the weirdest places in the Middle East. Um, and um, also in Asia, I've gone to, um, you know, just amazing experiences, you know, um, uh, you know, where I was located, and, you know, unique spots that people just like, almost no one who I would ever know has ever been to a place like that. I've had, I've had experiences where I'm flying a helicopter um, 500 miles from the nearest land, 100 miles from my ship, and I spot a sperm whale, you know, just cruising by itself in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And I was just thinking to myself, <laughs> how many people get to do this, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of unique experience that you, 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 can, you can get when, you, when you're in the military. Got it. Lots of opportunities for deployment and lots of opportunities to travel. I guess. Oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you should expect to travel. And that's, that's not, you know, necessarily um, something you want all the time, especially when you have a family. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if you can find a, 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 a way to balance that out and, and also take care of your family, then, uh, yeah, that usually works out. Um, what has led you to retire from the service? I know you mentioned um, being involved for 26 years. Um, I was wondering what was the ultimate decision to retire? Yeah. Um, well, at that point, it was just, uh, um, you, there's a maximum number of years you can serve. I could actually mm -hmm. serve many years and then retire. But um, uh, I had uh, the opportunity to do one more tour, a very interesting tour in Thailand. And so um, I stayed in um, to do that. And uh, um, that's the reason why I stayed so long. Most people retired mm -hmm. 20. But um, uh, yeah, it, it, it usually uh, it, after retirement, um, you're ready to go off and do other things um, while also receiving um, a retirement uh, um, pay benefit. So um, that's, uh, that's, a, that's kind of a unique thing that a person who's you know, maybe age 40, 41 um, can receive half their, half their pay for the, for the rest of their life. And then that gives you, that kind of gives you the freedom to do other things that you want to do. Um, because yeah. you know, financial, um, yeah, you, you already have some financial support that way. Um, talking about the transition after retirement, were there any specific challenges you had to overcome when adjusting back to the civilian lifestyle? Um, for me, it was 
kind of transitioned into a um, uh, quasi-military uh, civilian type of job. Um, I got, I, yeah, the, the, the one thing in, in my job search, though, um, was knowing that I was going to retire was that, uh, um, yeah, it, it, I had to learn how to uh, adjust my uh, my resume to, to speak in terms of uh, in civilian terms and to recognize that some of the things that I did in the military, um, although unique and, and um, uh, you know, in my view, uh, is, is important experience in the view, I had to recognize in the view of other uh, companies that that experience was not necessarily um, what they would want, nor is it something that they would even understand. So um, yeah, tailoring your resume is a, is, is a difficult thing because you've done so many, so many unique things, but they don't translate to the, um, to the civilian world. So uh, that was, a, that was probably um, not a difficult thing, but it was just something that I had to keep in mind when, when job searching. When you transitioned, was there ever like a thought of struggle with managing finances or like um, understanding how to manage individual tasks that you may not have um, done alone in the military? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because um, uh, in the military, you receive uh, part of your pay benefit is uh, um, our uh, allowances um, when you live in different places. And um, sometimes people don't consider the fact that those allowances um, are significant in size and are non-taxable. And so your real pay is much, if you, if you're, if that you took that amount of money in the military and it was taxable money, that real pay would be significantly higher. So, and you would have to, um, when you get out in order to have the same sort of income, um, that you had in the military, um, uh, you would have to get a, you have to get a job that pays significantly more than what you, um, what you have in the military because your, all your income becomes taxable at that point. So, um, and you, you know, you cut, yeah, after you reach seniority, you know, as a senior enlisted person or as an officer, um, you can have a, you have a pretty comfortable uh, uh, income. And so, and so in order to maintain that income and that lifestyle, you know, you maybe you purchased a home already or whatever, and you, you have these obligations, you have to really find a job that can, that, that can pay you um, uh, to, to, to take your, your retirement pay plus your, um, uh, plus your new jobs pay and have that um, and be able to have that same lifestyle, be able to pay, pay the mortgage, and, you know, pay for the kids. Mm -hmm. um, and then, or if you don't, if you didn't retire, then you don't have that military income, uh, that retirement income, then you, then you have to make, you have to find a job that can pay you uh, that same amount. Um, which can be difficult because now you're going in as a new person um, in, into maybe into a new company, and you're not going to get that. You you might you have to, you might have to be ready to um, uh, to start out as a, a, a you know at a at a lower starting salary with the expectation that you'll make more later. Um, mm -hmm. In my case, I um, I went for a job that paid very well but it was uh, difficult on the family because I had to actually leave. Um, I was on a contract for two years um, and you know, I was able to come, I would be able to come back if, you know, uh, every, every few months, but um, I was uh, serving in uh, as a civilian 
um, in an organization that works on the the, um, the, uh, the Sinai up near the, the Gaza border up there. And there's a, a kind of an ongoing uh, um, conflict in that area. I only stayed for four months because now as a civilian, there was no benefit to dying as a civilian up there. So. Um, that's really interesting. I know a lot of people always wonder like what it's like to get a job. And a lot of people, when I was doing research, struggled um, with the concept of understanding housing, supporting your family and finding a stable job. So I think that's yeah. really good advice and about your personal story. Yeah. Um, Can I add something too? Um, I also yeah. applied for uh, a few other jobs like in a uh, uh, government contract type jobs where um, uh, like North, North of Grumman, some other um, uh, major companies um, that do military contract. And um, uh, the positions that, that I had that, that were open, um, you know, were kind of uh, uh, like beginner positions. And uh, I would do each time they told me I was overqualified, but it's hard, it, 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 it's hard to get the higher positions where they are qualified for because there's not that there's no openings for those yeah and plus you need to have some experience um you know uh, uh at the lower levels before moving up so th mm. like i said it's difficult to get into a, a job without uh, it, it straight out of the military because because of those kind of uh, um hurdles you know it's it's a catch-22 where you're you're overqualified we want you but we you, we could use you for um a job that you're qualified for, but you can't get that job because mm -hmm. you be in our company, um, you know, at a, at a lower position before moving up. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. Ironically, there's more limitations when you have more qualifications sometimes, I guess, if that's what you're Yeah, doing. yeah, that's what yeah. Um, Can you also describe any support groups or organizations that helped with your military transition for anybody who's looking to retire and transition back to civilian life? Oh, definitely. The, the um, VA has all sorts of programs. I mean, you know, VA is a government entity and they're designed to help the veterans. Um, they have, uh, um, you just have to go to their website or maybe the offices and sign up and they'll have um, all sorts of job listings. Um, they have, uh, I know San Diego, I still receive emails about job fairs that they have. Um, and uh, a lot of these employers, they, they realize and they, they already can translate your experience. Um, and so um, uh, they, uh, <clears throat> they're geared towards hiring uh, military. Um, uh, and also uh, disabled uh, veterans, um, no matter what level of disability you have from zero to 100%, um, there are a lot of uh, organizations um, that, uh, that help um, you know, other private organizations, American Legion, uh, yeah, like Disabled American Veterans, Purple Heart, um, et cetera. The, these, these organizations are, um, really help out the veterans. Um, uh, a lot of them um, for veterans that have problems that, that may have uh, come up with a disability um, out of the military, they're there to help. They're there to help with the paperwork and, and um, that, that's required by the Veterans Administration and also to uh, make sure that you get, um, they can look over your history and make sure you get every benefit that uh, you need. And what's kind of sad is that there's a lot of veterans out there who don't realize that. And uh, you may see them on the street um, or uh, doing things that, uh, that, um, that are less than what they're capable of doing. 
uh, for significantly less pay or um, so, you know, if they could just find these organizations, um, those organizations can help. And um, according to the Veterans Administration, if you're a homeless veteran and you come to them, um, they will find a way to house you and um, take care of you and get you a job, and put you in a position where you can take care of yourself. Um, it's just a matter of getting there. And I think a lot of the problems are um, some of the veterans uh, may have had uh, uh, experiences that uh, put them in a bad place after they've, they, they've left. And so um, they, they are reluctant to seek out that type of help. Yeah, so you definitely recommend looking for those organizations and for people to be aware of all of these helpful organizations that connect them to jobs and housing and all of yeah. these support groups. And definitely uh, San Diego, uh, I know once a year they have a, um, I think it's called a rally where they, they, they invite uh, all veterans, especially homeless veterans. Um, they set up a, a place where they can... Uh, you know, uh, get clothes and shower up and get cleaned up and they have all the, all those organizations are there to help. But it's just a matter of, you know, a, a veteran wanting to get help and getting over there, you know, or, uh, you know, accepting help. You know, there's a lot of people in just in general who, you know, who need help, but they either don't know or they're reluctant to. They have their own, they have their own problems that where they, they, they resist getting help. Yeah, it's definitely important for them to be aware that there's help always. Um, the last question I have for you is, do you have any specific advice for um, people wanting to join the military and pursue it as their career when talking to family members and friends about it? Well, yeah, you know, you, you look at the um, recruiting advertisements and you hear about all these great experiences and getting, you know, um, learning all sorts of technical skills and, and uh, um, preparing you for life, et cetera. Uh, the bottom line is you're, you're also um, serving your country. And uh, if your country goes into um, a conflict, then you can make the ultimate, you might have to make the ultimate sacrifice. Um, so uh, behind any motivation of, of getting a college education or uh, learning a technical skill has to be the, you have to remember that, uh, that, that there also needs to be um, uh, a desire to serve your country, a desire that you, you, you believe, um, you believe in your country, you believe uh, um, you, you're, you're going to be, you're going to swear uh, to uh, uphold the constitution. And, um, you know, one, one of the things uh, about the constitution is that, um, about doing that is that you may or may not agree with certain things that people um, say and do in your country, but you are willing to uh, make a sacrifice to protect their rights to do what, what do and say um, what the, you know, what's, what their rights are under the constitution. So um, there is that, that, uh, that uh, sense of service um, besides the, uh, the, your own personal desire for opportunity and growth. Um, so all those young servant leaders who want have the duty to serve America, I think this is definitely a, a path that they should continue on, right? A lot of people I know at my school have been thinking mm -hmm. of joining the military, especially um, during the pandemic as 
they're not sure about college yet, but they, they, they think that military is the way to go. So hopefully all these people will learn more before they join and maybe we'll have a bunch more people enlisting this year. <laughs> um, maybe. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think it's a great thing to do. Um, there's so many other ways to, to serve your country also. Um, uh, and, um, you know, it doesn't need to necessarily be the military, but the military is a great opportunity and definitely the military needs a, a young motivated people um, to, to, to join, do their job and uh, maybe grow into uh, the leaders, you know, the next generation. Um, Joe Bellacruz, I think that is the end of our episode. Thank you so much for joining me today and talking about your experiences in the Navy. Um, I really enjoyed speaking with you and hopefully we can meet again. All right, thank you. <laughs>